The EPL Show on the Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by the $500 SGPN Fantasy Premier League Mini League for your chance to win $500 this season. All you need to do is check out the pinned tweet at the Twitter account at SGPSoccer. That's at SGP Soccer. We'll support you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use your promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with the promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for your chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or the Google Play Store today. You are listening to the EPL show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Also check out my website, lockbetting.com, where I've guided my clients to 98 months in a row of transparent track profit. We are looking in good stead for the 99th month here in August because we have had a really strong end to the Olympic Games and a strong end to Euro 2020. However, it's still a great time to sign up because you can still get all of our soccer futures for the entire season. The financial year at lockbetting.com always goes from August to August and August is the main month of the year because we do post out our futures We have a 79.6% win rate on futures and our soccer futures are being released this week. And then, of course, at the end of the month, we have the NFL futures as well. So there is no better time to sign up. You're not too late this month, even though we're 12 days in and Patreon will bill you for the entire month because Patreon always bills you on the first of every month. And usually I would say the 12th, 15th, 20th, 25th is all too late. But right now you can still get all of those soccer futures. So I would still sign up for lockbetting.com. The reason why I use Patreon is because it allows me to be fully transparent and for 98 months, for over eight years, I have delivered transparent profit without a single losing month. The PL is usually posted as the pin tweet at SGP Soccer's Twitter account. However, it isn't at the moment. The PL for July will be posted in three or four days' time, but at the moment, the pin tweet is the information for the SGPN Fantasy Premier League Mini League for your chance to win. $500 for free. Second place gets $100 of SGPN merchandise of your choice. And there is a monthly prize every single month to the value of $30 from the SGPN website. You don't have to do anything here. You don't have to pay an entry free, entry fee. You don't need to give away your email details, your phone number, anything like that. All you need to do is follow the code 
which is given out as the pin tweet on the SGP Soccer account. Just click the link and that's the code and it automatically enters you in to our SGPN Mini League. That's all you need to do other than obviously picking a team. But I know so many of you already play this game and your teams will already be picked. So at this juncture, all you need to do is click the code. If you're brand new to it on the last show, on the last future show, I did do a little preview of it. I did give you guys some advice. So if you're an absolute novice and you've never played this game before, or you're not too sure who to pick and, um, Picking Premier League players is not your thing and all you're really interested in is the winning picks. You can still participate and put a team together from the advice that I gave out on the last show. In fact, there's loads of loads of places that you can go to advice, loads of YouTube channel, loads of loads of YouTube channels, loads of Twitter accounts. In fact, on the uh, on the actual site, you can click the percentage of players picked by other people and that usually gives you a good guideline if uh, if uh, if a certain player has been picked by a high percentage of people that means they really fancy him to have a a good season this season a couple of the uh, the guys who um, are surprisingly high are Danny Ings uh, Ivan Tony of Brentford some of them that are not surprising are the likes of Mo Salah Luke Shaw coming off the back of the Euros so there is a percentage tab there that helps you with those in terms of um, finding players that are popular but you can get advice from anywhere get advice from me get advice from YouTube, get advice from websites. You can put your team together without being an expert on Fantasy Premier League and the Premier League players. So head to the pin tweet at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer for your chance to win $500 absolutely for free. No entry free like previous years. Second place gets $100 worth of SGP and merch. And to keep you interested throughout the entire year, there is a monthly prize every single month. So once again, the pin tweet at SGP Soccer, that's at SGP Soccer. And as I said, in four or five time, four or five days time, that will be replaced once again by the PL for the month of July for lockbetting.com. But as I said, 98 months in a row of Transpact Track Profit in the bank, well on course for the 99th. You don't want to miss the futures. They hit at 79.6%. And this month, you're getting two lots of futures with all the soccer picks nfl at the end of the month and at start of september we have the champions league as well lockbetting.com so let's have a look at what we have here for the Premier League futures. We're going to obviously start with who wins the league this season, the outright market, and then we'll move on to all of the other markets that we want to cover. Manchester City are the team who lead this market, fresh off the back of winning the Premier League last year, winning the League Cup last year, but losing the Champions League final. They have strengthened by signing Jack Grealish for £100 million and are looking to buy Harry Kane to sort out their striker problem after Sergio Aguero has moved on to Barcelona. They are the 8-13 to favourites to retain the Premier League. The second favourites at the moment are Chelsea, who are available at five to one. It's also five to one on Liverpool, with Manchester United out at eight to one, Arsenal at fifty to one, Leicester at sixty-six to one, and Tottenham also at sixty-six to one. It's one hundred to one plus for anybody else. Now, Manchester City are the easy choice here. Of course, they won the Premier League last year. They ended up winning it relatively comfortably in the end, but. There was no other contender at all. Chelsea only really got their run going after Frank Lampard left the job just after Christmas. 
Manchester United weren't expected to challenge, so the fact that they were even temporarily challenging was seen as an overachievement, I feel, by Manchester United. And had a couple of results gone their way, had they not lost a poor home game at home to Sheffield United and uh, dropped points shortly after that away to West Brom, lost a 3-1 home lead against Everton. Had Manchester United taken more than two points out of those games, say they'd taken maximum points from that, as we were heading towards the end of the season, we would have had a legitimate title race with Manchester United, who are missing two or three players at a time to challenge for the league, giving Manchester City a, a, a real fright. And it's much, much easier to win games when there's no pressure on you. And Manchester City were in that comfortable, no-pressure position because every time it looked like Manchester United were going to apply some pressure, the pressure never came. So that was that was the issue with the league last year, with Manchester United being the sole contender. Liverpool were abysmal. Despite the fact they somehow got into a Champions League position, that was once again due to a collapse by Leicester City, who once again relinquished a top four spot and are not going to be playing in the Champions League. Liverpool were able to take advantage of that, but they were poor through the middle of the season. They started okay. They were top of the league for for the most part of the first couple of months, but then they dropped away and they dropped away massively. An unbeaten home record stretching back to two house 2017 was absolutely obliterated. This looked like a team that that couldn't score goals. Many people point to the fact that Virgil van Dijk was away and that did change the season. Well, this is a team that were already completely and utterly battered by Aston Villa with Virgil van Dijk in the team. Something wasn't working with the heavy metal football, with the pressing and everything else that Liverpool normally do with the surging fullbacks. Everything just seemed to fall apart. It's very easy to point to van Dijk and say, that's where the season fell apart. Well, you got smashed by Aston Villa. Before that even happened, you got smashed 7-2 by, by Aston Villa. So if you're getting smashed 7-2 by Aston Villa when Virgil van Dijk's in the team, perhaps Virgil van Dijk being absent isn't the only reason why you went on to have a bad season. So um, a lot more went wrong there for Liverpool. There were large periods of the season where they were not scoring goals. And um, for me, I find it very difficult to see how all of a sudden... Liverpool become a completely different team with very, very little transfer activity in the summer and simply relying on the fact that Virgil van Dijk here has returned to the team. Chelsea are a very different proposition. They were different immediately as soon as Frank Lampard left. Thomas Tuchel has completely turned around his team and he came in immediately by organising them and sorting out that back line. Chelsea's clean sheet record as we headed towards the last five months of the season was phenomenal. And it was, um, it was all, um, the cherry on the top was the fact that they end up winning the Champions League by being defensively solid in all of their ties, getting past, uh, Porto, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid from Spain, just making La Liga look like, um, they weren't in the same league as the Premier League, the way that Chelsea outclassed both of the two Madrid teams en route to the final. And then, of course, beating Manchester City in the final, where, um, Pep Guardiola outthought himself and decided to play no holding midfielders, allowing um, the winning goal to come from a 40-yard pass where there was no defensive midfielder to intercept it. Kai Havertz came in and scored the winner and Chelsea ended up nicking that game. Although I think nicking is a is a generous term to say um, 
you know, in regards to what happened in that game. It's generous to Manchester City because there were periods at the start of that game where Chelsea looked pretty bright and uh, were doing things with the possession of the ball that they had. And Manchester City really didn't get into that game to the second half. And when they did, created very, very little. I'm not 100% sure... Um, if Tuchel's going to be able to get those kind of performances again from this defence. And if he does, it's really down to Tuchel. It's not necessarily down to the personnel. I, I wouldn't say that when you're looking at uh, Thiago Silva and Antonio Rudiger as a defensive partnership, that that is an elite defensive partnership. When you're looking at what's around the rest of the Premier League, you've got Diaz and Stones keeping out uh, Laporte at Manchester City. Uh, Rafa Varane and Harry Maguire are going to be the defensive partnership at Manchester United. That's undoubtedly better than what Chelsea have. Um, and obviously, across the whole back four, Manchester United are, are head and shoulders above Chelsea when you add Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw to it. Even Liverpool's back line here of Trent Alexander-Arnold and, uh, and Robertson getting forward um, at, at will as they will continue to do this season. I mean, Robertson starts the season injured, along with Van Dijk and Gomez and Canal coming into the squad and you've got Matip coming back you would argue that Liverpool are stronger at the back as well so for Chelsea to do what they did last season I think that is a massive achievement by by Thomas Tuchel I mean yes he had a lot of protection in front of that back four when you're looking at Jorginho and Kovacic and Kante two of those three that does go, that does give you decent protection this season you're going to have two of those three again most likely uh, Kante and Jorginho with Mason Mount sitting in front of that front three. But that front three needs to deliver a little bit more. We've already seen Zayac go out injured from the UEFA Super Cup final, which is going to be a big blow. But they still have plenty of players that they'll be expecting to deliver. Kai Havertz didn't have a great season. Werner, if he is going to play, is going to be out wide because Romelu Lukaku's now signed. We're going to be talking more about that in a second. You've got Christian Pulisic, who is massively underutilised. You've got Hudson-Odoi, who's massively underachieved. So... You have a huge number of players here at Chelsea that haven't delivered yet, but um, they're all going to be implemented out wide because Romelu Lukaku is coming in. Tammy Abraham is going out. So you could imagine that Werner is going to now be the backup to Romelu Lukaku, who is going to play 35, 36 Premier League games a season and is a very, very good shout to be the top goal scorer. I'm hearing that he's going to be inserted as the third favourite in the market, which is going to be around about nine to two. And that's going to be incredible value on Romelu Lukaku, who's the goal scorer that Werner wasn't. He's the goal scorer that Chelsea are absolutely crying out for. And bearing in mind what Tuchel did since he took over, and bearing in mind this is, these are the Champions League winners, this could be the difference maker that takes Chelsea to the title. This is something that Manchester City don't have, and that's why Manchester City are still trying to buy Harry Kane. And if they don't get him, they are going to start the season with a false nine, which makes me question what is the reasoning for signing Jack Grealish. I understand that Jack Grealish is a quality player. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But Jack Grealish got plenty of the ball at Aston Villa, plenty of minutes at Aston Villa and was the key man. He is not the key man and the key playmaker at Manchester City. Is Jack Grealish going to be the same player? Is he going to be worth 100 million? Or is this a market employee where Jack Grealish has been signed to be the new David Beckham of Manchester City because they don't have that player and the Saudi owners want that to have their, their brand go worldwide? Because Manchester City, as many Premier Leagues as they win, they're not Manchester United. They're not Liverpool. They're not, they've not got worldwide supporters. They can't even fill up their own stadium on a week-to-week -week basis. This is still a small club parading 
as a big club. And some people might not like that comment, but the facts speak for themselves. You can go on Manchester City's website and buy a ticket to any one of Manchester City's home games and get a decent seat because they sell all of their tickets for the whole season at the start of the season. You can go to Manchester City versus Man United, Manchester City, Liverpool. You can go and easily get a ticket because this is not a massively supported team. So for Jack Grealish to come in, to me, with all the players you have in that exact position, it does seem like a marketing scheme and it doesn't solve your issue in terms of replacing Sergio Aguero. Gabriel Jesus has never been able to fill that void and Jack Grealish certainly will. All he'll he'll do is provide a selection headache with Mares now being happy that he's finally getting game time and now looks like the player they bought from Leicester. He may have to swap and rotate with Jack Grealish. Phil Foden just came through last season. He may now have to lose time from Jack Grealish. Raheem Sterling was already losing time to Foden and Mares. You've got Fernand Torres there who hardly gets a game. Is he going to be the centre forward this season? Um, It's... It's a ridiculous number of players and we're talking about Bernardo Silva being at the bottom of the pile of of, of these players and he was the player of the season a couple of years back. So it's absolutely ridiculous. The, The purchase doesn't make any sense and for me... It doesn't make Manchester City any stronger. It just provides them with a with a selection headache in a prob in a in an area where they've already got a selection headache. They've got De Bruyne. They've got as, as a as a playmaker. So Grealish can't drop into that into that position either. And that's where Gundogan ideally likes to play. And when he plays deeper, he's not playing in his main position where he can have an influence. Once he plays in a holding role with Rodri, that's not Gundogan's best position. His best position is where De Bruyne's position is. But you want to get both players in the pitch, so you're already changing um, something which which is not natural to where players naturally want to play. So to get Grealish in, along with Gundogan and De Bruyne, would be impossible because then you do what you did in the Champions League, which didn't work at all. And in those wide positions, you have Morris, you have Torres, you have Sterling, you have Silva, um, you have uh, Foden. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. As I said, this signing does absolutely nothing for me other than um, sell some Jack Grealish shirts uh, across the USA and in Saudi Arabia and Japan and China. That, that, that's all I can really see this being. And um, I, I think it's going to be a, a difficult move for Jack Grealish. I don't think he's going to have the influence he had at Aston Villa. I think he's going to struggle to cope with the fact he doesn't have the influence that he has at Aston Villa. He's going to have less of the ball. He's going to have less goals, less assists and more time sitting on his ass on the bench. He's going to be a £100 million substitute for at least 30% of the season. So... I don't see what that does for them. For me, that doesn't strengthen them as favourites. I think Chelsea are real, real challenges here. Um, I don't think Liverpool are, but I do think Manchester United might be. Surprise, surprise. Manchester United um, last year challenged to the surprise of everybody, or at least they were the closest challenges for a temporary period. They had um, some places they needed to strengthen up. They were identified at the end of last season. And they've gone and bought the right players to strengthen up those positions. Jaden Sancho does give you a better option on the right-hand side. That's exactly where we needed to sign a player. We do need a striker, but if Edison Cavani can be the Edison Cavani that he's been throughout most of his career and the player he looked like for the second half of the season, then why do we need to immediately sign a striker when Erlen Haaland is available at half the price next summer with his best friend Jaden Sancho already playing for our team? There's a real possibility that with our connections through Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his dad and his connections to Jaden Sancho, 
Arlen Haaland could end up coming to Manchester United. If he doesn't, then, then then we'll look for another striker. But that doesn't need to be solved at the moment when Edson Cavani is still world class and Mason Greenwood's still learning to play the position alongside playing with Edson Cavani in training all the time. Marcus Rashford will still be influential again when he comes back from finally having foot and, his foot and shoulder foot and shoulder issues resolved. Jaden Sancho is a ready-made purchase, ready to come into the team. Anthony, uh, have, Anthony, we have now have Anthony Martial as a squad player. Um, I don't have much to say about, about Daniel James because I don't rate Daniel James and I don't think that he's turned out to be a Manchester United player. But there is depth there when you're talking about Greenwood, Rashford, Sancho, Martial and Cavani being five of the three that we are going to be playing in the team. That's pretty strong. You also have the option of putting Pogba on the left-hand side if you want to go more defensive in midfield and you need um, you need players to, to do the work in the tougher games. So you have the option of playing Pogba in a game where we're looking to have more of the ball on the left-hand side or you play Pogba... Um, in, in the defence, uh, sorry, I've got that the wrong way around. You have the option of playing Pogba on the left-hand side in the tougher games and then moving in McTominay and Fred in those defensive positions or even Matic with Bruno Fernandes playing the free role. And in the games where we're expected to have more of the ball, then you can play Pogba alongside Bruno Fernandes with one holding midfielder. That's what I meant to say. Um, so there's a lot of options here. And that back four... He's one of the best now in world football. If you're looking at Wan-Bissaka, who they're even talking about strengthening up by signing Kieran, Twift, Kieran Trippier, by sacrificing Wan-Bissaka for a player that has better delivery. If you're looking at Luke Shaw, the Luke Shaw that turned up in the Euros and has played for the last two years for Man United. If you're looking at the centre-back com- um, combination of Harry Maguire being the Harry Maguire that he's been, which is a Harry Maguire that has taken Manchester United in his presence from the... 13th best defence in the Premier League when he signed to the second best defence since he signed. So that is a big difference maker. That is more of a difference than Virgil van Dijk has made to Liverpool statistically. That's that's what that's what Harry Maguire has done. So as much as people can criticise him and mock him and, and, and say things about Harry Maguire, the facts are different to all the jokes and all the criticisms about him having no pace, etc, etc. The facts are that. 13th best defence in the Premier League has now become second since he was signed. Statistical fact. And he looks great as well. Barry Harry Maguire hasn't put a foot wrong in most of the games that he's played for the last couple of years. He looked great for England in the Euros as well, as did Luke Shaw. And adding Rafa Varane to that, a proven winner, Champions League winner, World Cup winner. I cannot believe some of the comments that I'm seeing where people are questioning whether he's going to be able to adapt to the Premier League or if Ben White going to Arsenal is a, is a better Premier League signing. This is, this is bullshit from, from idiot pundits that don't know what they're talking about. Rafa Varane is a Rolls Royce of a defender and he'll slot straight in and Manchester United will look a lot better this season. Will they win the Premier League? I don't think so. Are they stronger than Chelsea? Stronger equipped to challenge than Chelsea, the Champions League winner? Again, I don't think so. If I was to pick one of the two teams that will that will push Manchester City the hardest, it would be Chelsea. But if I was to say, do I want to bet on Manchester City to win the league again? Are they that much stronger than the rest? Are they 8-13 to favourites while Chelsea are 5-1 to and Manchester United are 8-1? to I would say no. This is a Manchester City team that, re- that got no competition last week. As I reiterate, it's easier to play when, um, when there's no competition. There's no pressure when there's nobody coming up your arse at the back, up behind you in the table. There's no pressure with that. There's no pressure when... 
you're on an incredible run and teams in relegation battles decide that we're going to rest two or three players because it's very unlikely we're going to beat Manchester City anyway. You see very often they're given free hits and free passes. There's there's not that intensity against Manchester City that there is against the Liverpool and Manchester United. Once once teams are perceived to be beatable, and Manchester United looked very beatable last season against smaller teams. That's why they drew at home to West Brom, and why they lost at home to Sheffield United. Lost drew at West Brom and um, lost at home to Sheffield United, and lost at home to Crystal Palace. It's because people really felt they can get them on a week to week basis. Manchester City normally win games before they even start. But if they start dropping some points and there's a little bit of pressure on them, then teams will fancy the task again. And they won't just think Manchester City on a crazy 17-match unbeaten run or 17-match winning run, which which was evident last season. It's, it's going to be very, very different if there's actually some pressure. And I believe that Chelsea and Manchester United can apply that pressure this season. I don't believe in Liverpool because Liverpool haven't made the signings this summer. I don't know why Liverpool don't make signings. I don't know why they're not in for any of the players that, that Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool are in for. Romelu Lukaku would be a player that Liverpool are absolutely crying out for. Why have Liverpool not got £100 million to spend on a player? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Jack Grealish, again, he's another player that Liverpool would be crying out for. Thiago hasn't worked. Wijnaldum has gone to, to Paris Saint-Germain. You need to strengthen up your midfield. Your midfield looks weak. If you're going in there with Fabinho and Henderson and Thiago, that's possibly the, the weakest midfield in the top four. So I don't see Liverpool as challengers here this season. I certainly don't see a challenge in from behind. We will talk about the top four, uh, sorry, the top six shortly. But I think the, the conversation about the league winner and the top four goes hand in hand because I categorically do not see a Leicester Arsenal or, or Tottenham and Leicester have proven even if they do make a good start somehow they'll mess it up in March, April and May anyway but I just don't see that repeating itself I think this top four now is so defined and so strong that the price of these four to to be in the top four in any order of Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea to be the top four in any order, I think that is a very, very easy bet, especially when you're getting it at the price of eight to five here. Um, I think that's some serious value. You're basically betting on uh, Liverpool, uh, sorry, you're basically betting on Leicester, Tottenham or Arsenal not to infiltrate this top four. And I don't think they will infiltrate this top four. I think this top four is already set in stone. For me, it's just a case of positions. Um, what you're looking for when you bet this is not Premier League top four exact order. You're looking for Premier League top four in any order. And it's eight to five here. I'm looking at it available at Skybet. This is widely available. Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, and Manchester City in any order to finish in the top four. So that is going to be your top four this season. And uh, that pretty much concludes the top four conversation. As for the league winner, um, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that I lean towards Chelsea winning it. But I do expect a, a challenge from Manchester United equal to last year, if not stronger. I think Manchester City will find it much tougher, even if they do manage to, to scrap through. And I also like the bet at five to four on the field. Because the field 
gives you Manchester United and Chelsea and Liverpool and anybody else that might come through and challenge for the league this season. The field is um, is fading Manchester City to win it. So five to four on the field, hence Manchester City not to win the league. I also like that bet because, as I said, I don't think this team is significantly strengthened. And even if they do get Harry Kane, What's the guarantee that Harry Kane comes here and continues scoring goals the way he has done at Tottenham? It's very likely he will, but there are cases of players that haven't. Andrei Shevchenko has failed in this league. Chris Sutton has failed moving to Chelsea from Blackburn and he was a proven Premier League scorer. Fernando Torres scored goals for fun for Liverpool and he moved to Chelsea and he couldn't score goals anymore. So there's absolutely no proof um, There's no that Harry Kane leaves his boyhood club where he's very, very comfortable, hits the ground running at Manchester City and starts scoring goals goals and is even less of a guarantee that he'll even go there because the market in the moment tips towards the fact that he won't. It's 8 to 11 that he won't and even money that he will as Daniel Levy continues to hold out for the 150 million that he wants from rightfully so but at the same time a 28 year old Harry Kane isn't worth 150 million and Manchester City won't pay it rightfully so. Both parties are right here which makes it very difficult to see any movement especially if Harry Kane actually plays against Manchester City at the weekend. So I'm going to lean Chelsea to win it. The top four is going to be the same top four as last season. I don't see anybody breaking through. So that is, once again, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Man United to finish in the top four at eight to five in the title race. Looking at the top six, that one's a little bit difficult, but still, I think, a three-horse race. I think these other three teams here in Tottenham, Leicester and Arsenal are the only ones with a chance to get into the top four. And if they don't, they should occupy the other three positions outside. Um, Tottenham are considered the underdogs here out of this group of three to finish in the top six. Arsenal available at evens, Leicester available at 11 to 10, and Tottenham are available at 6 to 5. I like what I'm seeing from Tottenham. I like Nuno as a manager. I think he got a bit stale at Wolves because I do think he needed to move up, and he has got the move up here, working with better players, which I think he deserves to do. He's done very, very well at Wolves, took them from the Championship to a stable Premier League team. We'll see how stable they are now this season without him there. But I do think this is the next level that he deserved to take. And I think he'll be a good manager. If he has Harry Kane there, um, along with Song, along with the players that he's brought in to strengthen, like Romero at the back, Tottenham should have a good season. And they are far better than Arsenal on paper. They're far better than Leicester on paper. Leicester have done very well to do what they've done over the last few seasons. Yes, they've let Champions League football slip away. But to even be in that position is what people tend to forget about. Brendan Rodgers has done very well, uh, has delivered uh, Europa League continuously, has Challenge for Champions League and last season won the FA Cup, beating Chelsea who went on to win the Champions League. So I think Leicester will still get into this top six, but I also think Tottenham will. I don't think Arsenal belong here. Uh, I think Arsenal are the weakest team out of the three. Uh, I don't believe in Mikel Arteta. I don't believe in the project. I'm not sure that the players do either. And uh, it's difficult for me to see Arsenal finishing above Tottenham. And for the second season in a row, I'm not understanding why Arsenal are, are ranked above Spurs here in terms of finishing in the top in the top six, uh, finishing um, higher than them in the league in general because they're they're shorter favourites to win the league and they're shorter as well to finish in a Champions League position. I don't think these three teams will achieve any of that, but I do think Tottenham will finish above Arsenal. Therefore, I like Tottenham to finish in this top six, and that one here is available at six to five. Before we move on to the relegation race, we'll look at who. 
might or might not finish in the top half. Now, what is available to bet on and what I may give out to my clients because it's quite in-depth is who finishes above who. You can basically get odds on any team to finish above any team. Obviously, when you're looking at a a Manchester City to finish above a, a Tottenham, it's going to be very, 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 very short odds. But there's some interesting matchups in the middle. I'll give you one, for example, which is uh, Aston Villa versus West Ham, which is priced up as 10 to 11, 10 to 11. We also have these two teams neck and neck in terms of who finishes in the top half of the table. We have um, Arsenal 1 to 6, Leicester 1 to 5, Tottenham 1 to 5, Everton 4 to 7, Leeds here at 8 to 13, and then you have West Ham 10 to 11, Aston Villa 10 to 11, with Brighton 13 to 8, Wolves 5 to 2, and 11 to 4 Southampton. Everybody else is bigger than 5 to 1. Now, I would rather take the individual bet here of Aston Villa to finish above West Ham because I do think Aston Villa had a very poor finish to the end of last season after a strong start. And West Ham, I don't think, will maintain that level of consistency, especially with them having to play European football at the same time. So I'm expecting a drop-off from West Ham. They may not even finish in the top half. There's no guarantee that even Leeds will finish in the top half or Everton. But I do think... Everton under Benitez will, will have some more stability and I do think there'll be a, a top half club here inside this top eight. The other two positions are up for grabs here with Leeds, West Ham and Aston Villa being the main contenders. I do think the books have got it right here. I don't see any chance for Brighton. I think Wolves are going to be weaker without Nuno. Um, Southampton are very, very weak with the sales of Ings and Westergaard and, and Ward-Prowse possibly leaving as well. Burnley, Palace, Newcastle all will be lucky to not be involved in relegation fights. And the same to be said for uh, Brentford, Norwich and Watford, who actually will be involved in, in relegation fights. So I do think the books have got it spot on here. As for who finishes in the top half, I think Villa are a great shout. I think Villa could even finish as high as 8th or ninth here in the table this season. I think they've invested the Jack Grealish money really, really well here in terms of the players that they bought with Bendia uh, and getting Danny Ings here as a goal scorer, getting Bailey from Bayer Leverkusen. I like them here to both finish above West Ham and to finish in the top half of the table. I think they'll be better without Jack Grealish. There won't be that reliance on one player. So when he gets injured, you won't have that massive dip because you are investing in the squad. And 100 million invested into the squad for Aston Villa and we don't even know what's going to come after that because that's just the Jack Grealish money with the TV rights revenues that the EPL clubs have which makes them richer or long term will make them richer than clubs from much richer from uh, higher place clubs in Spain Italy Germany etc they can go out and spend another 50 million on top of getting 100 million from Jack Grealish and and Aston Villa I still think will spend more money and they'll get even stronger so for me they're a top half club I like them to finish above West Ham specifically but I also like them to finish in the top half. Both of those plays are available here at 10 to 11. Closing out with the final market that we're going to look at, which is the relegation market. Now, I think there's a real possibility here this season that the three teams that came up could go down. If anybody's going to survive, I think it may be Brentford. I think they're the most exciting of the newly promoted sides and I fancied them to actually starve off relegation and stay in the Premier League. They're the top scorers in the Championship last season with 79 goals. They've got a well-settled squad and... Ivan Tony is going to be key here because you can play attractive football, attacking football all you want. But if it doesn't translate into goals, 
you are going to end up going down. They have tried to tighten up their back line as well, but it all centers around Ivan Tony for me. If he can continue to score goals here as he did in the championship, I think Brentford could end up staying up. And then I think it would be one of uh, Crystal Palace, who have a lot of unsettled players there. Patrick Vieira isn't the most experienced manager in the world. Burnley, at some point, they are going to get caught out. They don't invest enough into the squad. And uh, they could be a team who end up going down. And Southampton are just selling far too many players. And they're a team who don't normally enter the relegation conversation. But when you sell Vestergaard and you sell Danny Ings, and you're going to get offers here for James Ward-Prowse, it does look like Southampton will be entering that conversation this season. So we're looking at Southampton, we're looking at Burnley, we're looking at Crystal Palace, and we're looking at Brentford as one of the four teams that may occupy this 18th spot in the relegation zone. The other two for me... I think are relative certainties. I love the price on both of them in terms of Watford and Norwich. They they are um, the leaders here in the market to go down. Norwich are evens. Watford are evens. Brentford are next at 5-4. Then you've got Palace at 13-8. So far, I think that's all priced up correctly. Then you have Burnley at 2-1. With Newcastle at 9-4. Southampton at 7-2. Wolves 9-2, Brighton 13-2 and Villa at 9-1. Yeah, I think it starts to to come undone for me when you have Newcastle at 9-4 as um, as stronger favourites to go down than Southampton. I just don't see that. I think Newcastle do have a stronger squad and stronger personnel and I think they'll have a better season. I don't think they're going to be in the top half or even close to it, but I do think they could be relegation candidates. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Wolves here this season. They've lost a few players, they've lost their manager, they could be in and around that conversation as well. I think they're a little bit big at 9-2, to two, but I don't think they'll go down. And I also don't think Newcastle will go down. I do think Southampton will get into that conversation with Burnley, Palace and Brentford. So apart from Newcastle and Southampton, who I'd swap over, I would say that this market is just about correct here. Um, but as, as I said, I think Brentford could get out of it. The two right at the bottom, or rather the two right at the top, both are even money plus 100 Norwich and Watford I cannot make a case for them staying up Norwich have seemingly done what they always do when they come up to the Premier League which is not over invest they have a model which is very very sensible and it allows them to go down but subsequently that model also never really gives them a, a real chance of staying up and that seems to be the plight of Norwich they're turning into what we call a, a yo-yo club And I think that yo-yo effect will continue here. Again, massive lack of investment from Norwich. It's hard to see the yo-yo club like this breaking the trend in this stint. Um, Bundia has been snapped up by Aston Villa. Uh, Cantwell is also on Aston Villa's shopping list and other shopping lists as well. Now, this is the team that won the championship last season. But every time they end up getting through to the Premier League, they just they just seem like the, the strongest favourites to go down, despite the fact teams come up behind them. Last time they were here, they got 21 points and they haven't learnt from that. They, they haven't strengthened and they haven't made a significant effort to go down. I just don't see... Sorry, do not go down. And uh, I just don't see how they, um, how they survived this season. Even money looks like a great price. As for Watford... 
I think they'll be a little bit more difficult to play against. They have some established Premier League players here in Danny Rose, Joshua King, Troy Deeney returning to the returning to the league. So I think they'll be a little bit more competitive. Whereas we're looking at Norwich being a team that could um, go close to their record low total here. But I don't think Watford are going to be that poor. But for Watford to go down, I think Brentford are going to have to be pretty poor as well. I think they're going to have to be one of the definites that go down with Norwich. I think it's going to be a case of them not being able to turn that attacking intent into goals and struggling in the Premier League, leaving themselves overexposed. And then I think one of the other established Premier League teams are going to have to be very, very poor to allow Watford to stand up, uh, to stay up. So that's going to be Wolves struggling without Nuno Espirito Santo. It's going to need to be either Southampton not being able to cope with the loss of that many players or Crystal Palace just not playing well under Patrick Vieira. Patrick Vieira not being able to cope with the Premier League. I think if some of those things come into play, then we could see a team like Watford survive. We could see Watford and Brentford survive um, under those circumstances if Premier League teams who are established all of a sudden cannot cannot adjust. And there's lots of things that can happen. Burnley can run out of luck. Vieira can be a flop. Wolves can just not be the same without their, without their leader. There's loads of things that can happen here to allow... Um, Watford or Brentford to get out of the conversation. For me, I think Watford will go down and I think Brentford will get out of it. But one thing I'm absolutely certain about, and that's why it's going to be the lead pipe lock here on this show and that's going to be Norwich City to go down. It's a familiar story once again, winning the championship and not doing enough in the summer to make sure that you stay in the league. I think they'll go close to that points total here, that that record low, 21. I cannot see them getting to the 30-point mark here in the Premier League this season. They're absolutely nailed on for me, and for them to be the same price as Watford and just to be marginally uh, stronger favourites than, than Brentford, that doesn't make too much sense. None of the other two have really invested massively in the market. But Norwich have come into the Premier League and sold players. Taking that uh, offer for Bundia and listening to offers here for Todd Cantwell, that makes absolutely no sense to me. Model or no model, um, I understand financial structure and I understand it's important not to overinvest and not to leave yourself overexposed when going back down to the Championship and being in a position to never come up again. But... Come on, it's the Premier League. You're getting all that TV rights money. You've just won the championship. Make a massive effort to stay here. Put some big investment in in the summer. You've already experienced this before. You've got embarrassed before. Like, do a little more. They haven't. They've done practically nothing. And Norwich City, for me, will be going down again. That's your lock. That's your two-unit lock here on the show for your EPL preview. Norwich City to be relegated. Now, there are a lot of other plays that I liked here across the show. Um, to get my official plays, all of my futures plays, head over to lockbetting.com. As I said at the top of the show, August is the best month to sign up because it's the start of our financial year. We go from August to August because we put out all of our main futures in August. That's going to be all of the soccer futures from all across all of the leagues, and they're going to be coming out in the next few days. So there is no better time to sign up for lockbetting.com. Futures cash at 79.6%. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to play them because they don't like to wait for their money, but it's just like making an investment. When you're hitting 79.6% on futures, that is a solid investment. So you will need a little bit more bankroll this month. You will have to wait for your money, but it's worth it. It's worth putting that extra money in to get that at the end of the season. We also have NFL futures at the end of the month as well. Obviously, you have to wait 
17 weeks for most of those for the regular season ones, a little bit longer for the long-term ones, but it's still worth it because they still fall into the same futures bracket as well as uh, soccer, tennis, NFL, all of the futures we do, they all fall under that 79.6%. And then, of course, if you stay on as a client, um, you end up getting the Champions League in September as well. And I don't know why you'd leave. We've got 97 months of Transparent Track Profit locked up. The 98 already looks secure because we've had such a strong finish to the Euros and the Olympics. So we have a nice padded P&L. But you can still sign up and get all of these futures plays here at the uh, in the middle of the month because we've not given them out yet. And the ones that we have, nothing has started yet. In fact, Serie A starts next week. So... Just make sure you get in in time, get in on time before the weekend to get these futures plays. And of course, NFL at the end of the month, Champions League at the start of September as we look to have our 98th month in a row of transparent track profit. That's right. Not a single losing month for over eight years. Also, one more thing. Don't forget to join our fantasy Premier League league, the SGPN mini league. It's absolutely free. Look at the pinned tweet at SGP Soccer, the Twitter account. That's at SGP Soccer. That will give you the information. That will give you the link. All you do is click the link and you're in. Then you are viable to win the $500 top prize. You're viable for $100 worth of merch and you're viable for all of the monthly prizes. All you have to do is click the link. If you haven't already picked your team, click the link and then pick your team. But if you've already picked your team, you know what you need to do. I suppose, I imagine, sorry, most of you guys have been playing Fantasy Premier League for quite a while and have your teams already. This is just an opportunity for you to be in the hat to win a free $500 by winning it and obviously monthly prizes and $100 of merch for second place as well. This isn't shitty merch either. Like all of the merch here is made by the likes of uh, Nike and Badger and Under Armour and North Face. So it's not like you're winning a free Fruit of the Loom cheap cotton t-shirt every single month. It's proper merchandise that you can see by heading over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and clicking the merch tab and seeing all the stuff we have. I don't think you need any more incentive to enter. Like I said, the $500 top prize is enough, donated by Ryan and Sean, and you can win that by winning the SGPN Fantasy Mini League. That's it for your second EPL preview. The EPL show will be out in the next few hours. Good luck with all your bets as always, and thanks for listening.